last time on 30 and Nerdy. Nerds, Batman Day is just around the corner and I cannot tell you how excited I am. So tonight we are not just talking about Batman Day. We got part two of DC Fandome. There were a lot of great panels. I mean, you had Black Lightning, you had Doom Patrol. We got a lot of shocking and surprising announcements from, like, uh, Young Justice. This is definitely going to take a second night, nerds. This is the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. Welcome back. I am your Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. Nerds and Nerdettes, there is a lot to get into. It is officially Batman Day. And I am so excited. As I've said, every day to me is Batman Day. But today is officially Batman Day. There have been a lot of... Activities going on digitally offered for people of all all ages um, and all platforms of media. It's been a lot of fun to see what people are doing to celebrate Batman Day. I mentioned it two days ago uh, on night one of DC Fandom Part 2. All those things that, that can be done. There are still things you can do to celebrate Batman Day through the weekend. And I'm going to get in a little bit more of what is offered with the DC Universe. A big announcement came out, the announcement that I told you was coming, that I was told was coming by Ken M, who who was told was coming by Padawan J. And by golly, it happened. So, uh, it's been nice talking all of this DC fandom experience over the past month. And I'm loving celebrating Batman Day. Thank you to those who continue to return every episode for more 30 and Nerdy. If you are tuning in for the first time, welcome. Take off your shoes and stay a while. On today's episode, I am talking more about DC Fandom Part 2 with DC Fandomonium Part 2 Night 2. Uh, well, there is a lot to unpack in Night 1, and this episode is no different Uh, Before we get to it, though, let's talk about some news that has come up uh, since the last episode. Um, Marvel news, that is. I know it's rare to hear that during a DC episode. Uh, We finally have news on She-Hulk. Tatiana Maslany has been cast as Jennifer Walters. She is an Emmy award-winning actress best known for her time in Orphan Black. It will follow post-endgame storyline for Jennifer, uh, so expect to see a Bruce Banner cameo. Uh, Well, we have a lot to get through, so why don't we go ahead and get this road on the show. DJ Mike Howie, take us in. It's time to get nerdy. It's the 30 and Nerdy Podcast with your host, 
Tyler Mack. <laughs> Brought to you by Advertising Expressions, Encore Theatrical Company, Freddy Cat Productions, and Ashley Lodge Photography. 30 and Nerdy is an alternate reality radio show, a member of the Legion of Independent Podcasts, and a Badcast Company production. Join the Nerd World Order by following the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join the conversation by using the hashtag 30andNerdyPod. Find the show in the Pod Nation at podchaser.com and rate this episode. Got something to say? Email the show at 30andNerdyPod at gmail.com. Cheers to you, nerds. Now get ready to nerd out with your host, the Sweet Tea of the Nerdy South, your Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. Alrighty. Hello, hello, everyone. As I have said, I am your host, Tyler Mack. Last time was all about getting ready for Batman Day and breaking down some things from part two of DC Fandom. Uh, you can follow along with that episode wherever you cast your pod. While you're listening to these episodes, please reach out, follow along with the conversation on all social media platforms. Use the hashtag 30 Pod. And uh, let me know what you think, what's going on all around the Nerdiverse. You can also email me, 30andnerdypod at gmail.com. Always take requests and love hearing from you all. Uh, Definitely also check out 30andnerdypodcast.com because uh, the website's always changing. And that's where you can go to keep up with everything going on with not just 30 Nerdy Podcast, but everything under the Badcast Company brand. There are new shows coming very soon under the Badcast Company brand, as well as spinoff shows. So before we get into it, let's... I've introduced you to them in the last episode. Might as well stick to it for the week. Let's let's have a, uh, uh, a sit-down with some of our nerds with friends. Hi, I'm Cody. And I'm Christian. And we're Nerds With Friends. Not just two nerds who have some friends. No, we're your hosts for the podcast, Nerds With Friends. We cover any topic that people can nerd out over, from TV, movies, and comics, to conventions, tabletop RPGs, and much more. Nerds With Friends comes out every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. And of course, on our website, NerdsWithFriendsPodcast.com. Join us every week as we confess our nerdy confessions and talk about the latest in nerdy news. And remember, you're not alone. You're with friends. This is Nerds With Friends. Thank you for listening. Now back to the show. Welcome back. That little outer lewd, if you will, is uh, a dear friend of mine's son. Uh, his name is Jacob Beach. You can find that amazing song as well as a lot of originals and covers from Jacob Beach on YouTube at Jacob Beach Music. 
that's all combined together please subscribe to his channel check it out he's got he's an amazingly talented young guy I mean, he's younger than me, so he's, he's a young guy to me. But he's amazingly talented. You should definitely check him out. And uh, keep it up, Jacob. Uh, thank you for sending in that, uh, giving me some music to play around with for the show, as well as uh, let people know about your amazing talent. Uh, he's from the area uh, and here in Morristown, Tennessee, so check out his, uh, his YouTube as well as his uh, social media. So... Um, moving a little forward, I wanted to talk a little bit about something that uh, just came up in IGN's news. Uh, we all know that Ray Fisher, a.k.a. Cyborg, has been very vocal of Josh Whedon's toxic and hostile set. Uh, he's even gone as far as to say Jeff Johns and others allowed it to happen. But you can hear about all that in previous episodes of 30 and Nerdy or wherever you want to find the news about what Ray Fisher said. Uh, I want to talk more about Aquaman's words. Most of the cast had decided to remain quiet but were very supportive of Ray speaking out. But this month, Jason Momoa finally spoke up a bit about his take on it and the things that he witnessed. Um, Jason took to social media and began to become more vocal on his support of Ray Fisher and his claims about the toxicity of Whedon on set in a post of his, on his Instagram. Uh, it says, the Justice League member went on record saying, and I'm censoring some of this for you all nerds, um, this shit has to stop and needs to be looked at. Ray Fisher and everyone else who experienced what happened under the watch of WB Pictures needs proper investigation. He went on to call foul on the recent news that he was voicing Frosty the Snowman in a movie to be produced by John Berg and Jeff Johns. The former DC film execs Fisher has especially called out for fostering bad behavior on set. He went on to say, I think it is effed up that people would release a fake Frosty announcement without my permission to try to distract from Ray Fisher speaking out about the crappy way we were all treated on Justice League reshoots by Joss Whedon. Momoa wrote, Serious stuff went down, it needs to be investigated, and people need to be held accountable. I could not agree more. Um, I think... It's something that needs to be talked about. It's something that needs to be uh, handled uh, with care and with respect to the stars, especially those who have come forward and spoke out. If this is a continuous problem, then I'm sorry, I'm a DC guy, but Jeff Johns and executives at WB need to be dealt with and need to learn that that stuff cannot happen. Um, this has nothing to do with a Marvel, DC, Joss Whedon being the Avengers guy. It has nothing to do with that. But if this stuff truly did happen, it needs to be taken care of. And it needs to never happen again. We spoke, we, we had people like Weinstein taken care of for sexual assault. And that needs to continue. Eyes need to be opened and we need to continue to take care of those issues. But if this stuff is also going to happen, if producers and directors are going to act toxic on set i don't care what brand it is i don't care if it's a comic book movie or or a different genre of film that stuff needs to stop they are people just like you and me they bleed the same blood they use the bathroom the same way we do 
just because they're celebrities does not mean that we should allow these people to be treated the way that they are treated. Um, that's all I really want to say about that. So <laughs> why don't we move on to why we're here, okay? So last night we had some fantastic, well, not last night, two nights ago in night one of DC Fandemonium Part 2, uh, had a lot of great discussion about uh, an information that came out from DC Fandom Night 2, Part 2, whatever you want to call it, what happened this past weekend, talked about the Black Lightning panel, uh, Young Justice. There's a lot to unpack in this episode, so I'm going to go ahead and get through it. Um, so Nerdskis, buckle up, DC up, and let's uh, get this taken care of. Um but before we get to Phenomonium, I wanted to discuss the news that came out about DC Universe, uh, the digital service. Uh, I was discussing this in the previous episode, uh, so what do you say I read this email that I got, and uh, we'll, we'll see what y'all think. Uh, calling all comic book fans to explore the multiverse. DC Today announced the... Evolution of DC Universe into DC Universe Infinite, a premium digital comic book service to launch on January 21st, 2021, which access with access to more than 24,000 comic books at launch. DC Universe Infinite subscribers will also encounter digital first comics, exclusive access to DC fan events, as well as a stream of recently released comics six months after the physical versions hit store shelves. Following its initial launch, DC Universe Infinite will begin expanding globally in summer of 2021. DC's premium digital comic book platform provides members with an expanded collection of comics and original graphic novels, spanning over 80 years of the DC multiverse. Fans can also download comics, graphic novels, and originals for unlimited offline reading on their favorite devices from a smartphone or tablet. Subscribers will also have earlier access to new digital-first comics that include titles such as Aquaman, Deep Dives, Batman, Gotham Knights, Deceased, Hope at World's End, Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Red, and much more. Also debuting on DC Universe Infinite will be a DC Universe Infinite Originals, including new comic book content centered around beloved characters. Stay tuned for more updates on that as we get them. The fan-favorite community area will be free to all registered and premium subscribers with a full calendar of events planned for 2021. Current DC Universe subscribers will not need to create a new account as your login will transfer to Infinite. In October, you will receive a confirmation email to see if you want to continue your subscription, and that will transfer to the Infinite. For DC Universe subscribers who want ongoing access to premium DC Originals, the special DC Universe monthly member offer to HBO Max has been extended. In celebration of Batman Day, the announcement of DC Universe Infinite, the special offer for eligible monthly subscribers to upgrade their service to include HBO Max for an additional $4.99 per month for a limited time is now available through October 30th, 2020. So basically, if you are a DC Universe subscriber, 
and not an HBO Max subscriber, for an additional $5 a month, you can have HBO Max tacked into your DC Universe Infinite. That way you have both. Uh, and you're not doing what so many people are doing and paying for both. So HBO Max will be the home for premium video content that will include new DC series, key classics, and DC Universe originals like Young Justice, Titans, and Harley Quinn. DC Stargirl Season 1 will be available, and Season 2 will be after its run on The CW. DC Universe original shows will shift to HBO Max originals in the coming year. DC Universe Infinite will be available online at dcuniverseinfinite.com. iOS and Android devices for $7.99 a month or $74.99 a year. On February 1st, 2021, every DC Universe Infinite subscriber, existing members, or those just joining, the pre-order offer window will receive a special thank you voucher, redeemable at the DC shop, subject to terms and conditions. Yearly subscribers will receive a $25 voucher, while monthly subscribers will receive a $10 voucher. So, this was foretold um, by many of us after HBO Max was announced and after it became live many many podcasts were talking about do you fold in do you combine them what do you do Uh, I was on the phone with Ken M from the ODPH the other night, and as I said in the last episode, he told me that Padawan J filled him in on some information saying that there is an announcement coming soon from Jim Lee, and lo and behold, to celebrate Batman Day, here is the announcement. DC will become a digital experience, and all the video content will go to HBO Max. It's been coming. We knew it was coming. Um, Kudos to them on marketing it around Batman Day and DC Fandom. I think they have really (laughs) hit the ball out of the park during the pandemic. They have. Um, But that's, that's possibly a conversation for a later date on nerding in the pandemic. Which that announcement will come soon on how that conversation will take hold. A possible monumental crossover event may be in the works. But let's get to DC Fandom. DC Fandom Part 2, Night 2 here at 30 and Nerdy Podcast. I want to talk about the Batwoman panel. Uh, This was moderated by Trish Bendix from the New York Times. The panel introduced new Batwoman, Javicia Leslie, and featured showrunner Caroline Dreis, executive producer Sarah Schetter, Rachel Scarston, who is uh, Beth Kane, Alice, uh, Megan Tandy, Sophie Moore, uh, Cameron and Nicole Kang, who plays Mary Hamilton. They talked about the surprises they got from season one, and we learned more about Ryan Wilder as a character and introduced Javicia Leslie to the universe. Plus, 
some things in store for season two. One of the things they talked about that surprised them in season one, Johnson talked about it. Uh, it was an amazing first season, she said, uh, but never did. Um, uh, sorry, this is uh, Cameron Johnson who played Luke. Uh, he was talking about how never did he ever dream that they would get Bruce Wayne, but they did. Uh, Kang said she was most proud of the season one's uh, exploration of a modern family and how that can can transpire on uh, television in nerd culture today, a modern family. Uh, the, the old school family is, is come and gone, and, and it's a new world. It's 2020 people. The modern family is here to stay, and I loved that about Batwoman as a show. Um, it really play, showed that. It didn't play it up to the point where it was on the nose. It did it uh, respectfully. Um, talking about Ryan Wilder, uh, Leslie shared that Ryan, the character of Ryan Wilder, is a goofy mess meets badass. And she's a person who doesn't like following the rules. As a black bisexual woman, Leslie feels honored to play a character that fully represents the intersections of her life and her community at large. Uh, Dreiss followed by saying she knew within five seconds of watching Leslie's audition tape that she was meant to be Ryan Wilder. Now, Ryan Wilder is, I think I've discussed this in a previous episode, she is created for this universe. There's really no doppelganger from the comic book world that they're pulling from. This is an original character to take over the helm of Batwoman in Kate Kane's uh, disappearance. Um, After watching her training reel, she... uh, had Dreis at, uh, she did a tire flip, and apparently that caught Dreis's eye, and that's why she wanted her. Um, Javicia encompasses intelligence, emotion, heart, and athleticism. Everything you want in your hero. Um, talking a little bit about what's coming in season two. Uh, Dreis shared that part one will focus on the mystery around Kane disappearance, Ruby Rose. Um, and we'll focus on the different character perspectives. With lots of shock and intrigue, part two will then focus on the new hero that Ryan is is creating. So we will get some, some mystery and answers uh, early on in the season where Kate Kane is, uh, why she disappeared. It is not a write-off completely, they've said. Uh, they would love to have Kate Kane back. There was no bad blood. She's not being killed off or anything. She's just disappeared. Not a lot of knowledge about that red tape or why the why Ruby Rose stepped away. Um, hopefully in time she will tell the story. But uh, it, we will get a new Batwoman. So... Uh, a little bit more on the character um, about uh, this Ryan Wilder, this brand new character. She's basically she's battled the system her whole life, and it was not built for her. So, what they'll focus on is what that fight looks like outside and inside the suit. Um, the suit will be there will be a new suit. Um, she has also 
wearing um, natural hair. It's her natural hair. She's not wearing a wig. So that will be cool to see. It'll be cool to see any um, additions, anything different that this Batwoman will have that Lucas will have to wor- work on that maybe did, wouldn't work for Kate Kane but will work for Wilder. It'll be really cool to see that play out. Um, I'm excited for Batwoman. I have enjoyed Batwoman. Um, it's about time that she made it to the this media outlet. Um, I enjoyed season one. I think that Ruby Rose did a fantastic job, and I'm also very excited to see this Ryan Wilder character come to life. So the next panel that I want to get to is the Legends of Tomorrow. Um, Not the most popular DC show out there right now, but they are uh, still going. They keep getting renewed. So um, DC uh, Fandom Explore the Multiverse uh, had some exciting news uh, evolving uh, from the show. Um, It's... uh, a new series regular joined the cast for the upcoming sixth season. Uh, um, Liseth, I think is her first name, or Lizeth, Lizeth Chavez. She's from Chicago PD. Uh, she's been cast in the role of Esperanza Cruz, a.k.a. Spooner. Um, previously known for her roles as Officer Vanessa Rojas on the NBC drama Chicago PD, Chavez has recurred on many hit television shows, including Murder in the First, The Fosters, and The OA. Um, tough and self-sufficient, Spooner Cruz lives off the grid, devising in- ingenious tech for the detection of and defense against space aliens. And while some might call her paranoid, she calls it being prepared. A lot of people out there like that. A survivor of a childhood alien encounter, Spooner now believes she has the ability to communicate telepathically with aliens, making her the perfect recruit for the Wave Rider. Uh, Captain Sarah Lance, Ava Sharp, and the Legends, who in Season 6 will be hunting down extraterrestrials, um, who have been displaced throughout History uh, will obviously love the addition of her to the team. Having spent last season tracking down the loom of fate in order to bring back their slain comrades, the legends must now save history from a foe like none they have ever encountered, past, present, or future aliens. After Sarah is abducted by a ruthless alien, this new mission becomes personal. It will take more than just the combined powers of the legends to save the world for a sixth time. They must recruit Spooner to help them out. A woman uniquely qualified to help the team defeat their intergalactic foes. Either that or she's just crazy. Uh, During the show's Saturday panel... Uh, session series stars Katie Lotz, Nick Zano, Matt Ryan, Tala Ash, Jess McCann, Olivia Swan, Amy Louise Pemberton, and Cheyenne Zobian. Uh, joined executive producers Phil Klemmer, Kito Shizimu, and Grain Godfrey to discuss their favorite moments, 
uh, from past seasons and give the inside scoop on what could possibly be in store. Uh, this is produced by Berlanti Productions in association with Warner Brother Television. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow is based on the characters from the DC and returns for its sixth season in 2021 on the CW. I, like I said, I, I have not exactly kept up with this show in its uh, individuality. I, obviously, my, my biggest, um, Interaction with the Legends is whenever there's crossovers. Um, or recently they did an episode where they actually mentioned Sam and Dean from Supernatural and Baby was in the episode. I did tune in for that one. Uh, however, you know, I just I think it's it's a place where you take characters that you have no idea what to do with. But you've already introduced them. You don't want to write them off. You want to keep them around. Most of these characters have been were introduced in the Arrowverse as well as Flash. So, you know, there was just too many people going, too many people to have stories for. So they created this show, and I think honestly, I don't see it lasting much longer. Uh, I I would see a separate show or literally a crossover show where all it is is kind of like Justice League stuff then you could bring them in uh, but I don't see the Legends of Tomorrow being around much longer for a full time schedule um, that's just my opinion I know that there's a lot of people who love it out there I, I have not been a massive fan uh, very obscure stuff. I think they tried to tap into the Guardians of the Galaxy um, formula with them, and it's just not working out, mainly because it's television. And secondly, it's a different kind of obscure, I guess is what I'm saying. It's It's not Doom Patrol obscure. It's not Guardians obscure. But they're trying to find this obscurity to sell it, and it's just not working out. Uh, for me personally, you may love it. Uh, if you do, let me know. Hashtag 30 and nerdy pod. Uh, let's move on to the panel about Batman, death, and the family. Everyone knows this story. The death of Jason Todd's Robin, which was basically brought on by the fans. Uh, fans hated Jason Todd, so when the vote came, uh, they pulled their... <laughs> Their, their survivor torches out and extinguished Jason Todd's and he was killed at the hands of the Joker so when the interactive animated film adaptation of the, the classic storyline Death in the Family was announced um, it kind of seemed like a no brainer uh, to have this go something at DC Fandom about it as I said the original comic saw the much uh, maligned second Robin Jason Todd killed at the hands of the Joker on the decision of readers through a 900 number voting system this being comics Jason would eventually return under the moniker of the Red Hood uh, during DC Fandom the cast and crew assembled for the DC showcase Batman Death and the Family panel moderated by DC Daily's Hector Navarro 
The death in the family panel included producer, writer, director Brandon Vietti and actors Vincent Martella, who's playing Jason Todd, and John DiMaggio, who's returning as the Joker. Now, he was the Joker in Under the Red Hood, so you might as well have him return as the Joker that killed him to lead him to becoming the Red Hood. Um, As much as Vietti would like to take credit for conceiving the project. He uh, conceded that to Bruce, Tim, who pointed out that the death of Robin was the most famous audience choice story in possibly comic book history. From there, Vietti, already well-versed with the saga of Jason Todd after directing Batman Under the Red Hood, uh, was brought onto the project. Uh, in terms of the different storyline branches, uh, Vietti revealed that there is one large branch that is over 20 minutes long, while others can be as short as 7 minutes. In fact, there is one story branch that is only 30 seconds long. So that'll be intriguing. Um, for Vincent Martella, it's been over a decade since he last voiced Jason Todd in the aforementioned Under the Red Hood film. While his role in that film was relatively short, uh, and then we got the adult uh, Red Hood was voiced by uh, Jensen Ackles of Supernatural. Uh, While his role was uh, short, Death in the Family afforded him an opportunity to explore new places with that character. Uh, Playing the iconic clown prince of crime is also a daunting task. Anyone who's played him could tell you that, whether it be live action or voice acting. But, um, and for John DiMaggio, that's, that's been no exception. He, uh, he basically talked about being honored to, to get to come back as the Joker and to even be someone who's lent their talents to the Joker. Uh, obviously made famous in voice acting by Mark Hamill who has actually went on record applauding him for his performance in Under the Red Hood, uh, even saying that it might be his favorite Joker. Uh, he is definitely in a, a top list of contenders under Mark Hamill and under Troy Baker, obviously. But, uh, you know, I mean, I guess to each his own. Uh, Vietti made sure to praise comic creator Judd Winnick, who wrote and adapted for animation under the Red Hood storyline and helped define this world. It was imperative for Vietti to do right by both Winnick and the fans. Uh, DiMaggio compared it to the Cirque du Soleil uh, show um, Love that reimagines the Beatles' original tracks. Uh, The opening credits graphic sequence was shown uh, to us at the event, and it kind of gave a little backstory of the events that lead to in uh, death of the family. Talia Al Ghul, who only briefly appears in a non-speaking role in Under the Red Hood, appears in a larger capacity in Death in the Family, voiced by the talented uh, Zara Fazal. Uh, conversely, the villainous Two Face wasn't part of the original film or storyline, but plays an important role in this project, and that is voiced by Gary Cole. Now, Gary Cole has done a lot. Uh, you would know him from Office Space. He's the boss who's, yeah, we're going to need you to go ahead and come in on Saturday. Yeah, all right. Thanks, Peter. That's Gary Cole. 
despite the uh, disparate storylines, the overarching theme is each is family and the guiding light for Vietti on the project. Martella and DiMaggio also cited revenge and redemption. The nature of the project allowed Vietti to lean into horror a little bit, best exemplified by another clip of Jason Todd under the guise of Red Robin confronting Two-Face. So, as far as the story branches, Vietti simply, he basically teased Jason Todd walks into a diner, a sentiment shared by uh, DiMaggio and Martella as well. Um, Fittingly, the death in the family panel concluded with the question of the filmmakers would vote to let Jason live or die. Surprisingly, they all voted to let him live. Uh, Don't know why. Nevertheless, Vietti argued letting Jason live was a less compassionate choice than having him die since he had to live with the trauma from the Joker. Now, I am extremely excited about this. Death in the Family arrives on Blu-ray and digital starting October 13th, 2020. I'm very excited to see this. Uh, This is definitely uh, the... The pandemic has also created an, an extension into the world of voice acting and, and digital movies as well. I mean, these DC animated films are so much easier to produce than live action films, obviously, in a pandemic. Because you can lend your voice the way that I'm lending my voice to a podcast. They can record it at home. It's safer to be part of the voice acting world right now than it is to be the live acting world. So I'm very excited about it. I'm going to continue more with DC Fandom Part 2 in this Night 2 discussion after a brief break. Uh, We'll talk to you later. From us here at Advertising Expressions, we want you to know that we hope that you and yours have been well amid this pandemic. We have been blessed to have survived ourselves and realized that here in Morristown, it can be hard to keep things rolling in times like these. Therefore, Whether you are a business that has closed and are looking to reopen, a business that has crawled through this time fighting for the next breath, or maybe you are a business that has done better in this time, we want to help you. See, our business is to promote yours and we strive to do that by getting your name in front of as many people as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. In response to the COVID-19 pandemic, we are giving you 19% off new quotes that may result in orders of $190 or more. Use the promo code NERDRONA19, that's N-E-R-D-R-O-N-A-1-9. You can find us at 2103 Morningside Drive in Morristown, Tennessee, or contact us at 423-586-3270. Meanwhile, back at 30 and nerdy. All right, nerdskies. Welcome back. So let's continue night two of DC Fandom Part 2. We're going to talk about Batman The Three Jokers, which I am extremely excited about. When DC Rebirth came out four years ago, one of the big mysteries presented by it was the revelation that the Mobius chair had given Batman that there were, in fact, three different Jokers. It was a thread that Jeff Johns had left for himself 
and as such has gone most gone on mostly unreferenced and untouched for the uh, past four years, which is maddening, um, no pun intended, while Johns has worked on other projects. Now the wait is over. The clown prince of crime will now share his legacy with three of his own kind. The criminal, the comedian, and the clown. In Batman the Three Jokers, in a three-part series, this following tracks from Batman the Killing Joke and Death in the Family, Three Jokers number one, gives a nod to Jason Todd and Barbara Gordon's traumatic past. In some way, it seemed like these Jokers will inflict yet again historical and emotional physical pain upon Jason, Barbara, and Bruce. Uh, the three pivotal characters in this series. As they try to investigate what the Joker's endgame is, writer Jeff Johns did confirm on Saturday at DC Fandom that this story arc does not involve other universes and is grounded, were his words. We are really wanting to get back to the character uh, driven, smaller story involving a handful of characters. Illustrated Jason Fabok stepped back from revealing any hidden plugs, but he did confirm Easter eggs throughout the story, which he hopes will induce a sense of timelessness to this series. I want this book to feel like it could fit in a bunch of different times, he said. He draws inspiration from influential artists like Jim Lee, Neil Adams, Gary Frank, and Brian Boland. In Killing Joke, Boland referenced a lot of that classic 1940s golden age. He said, I'm kind of referencing a lot of the 1980s when I think about Batman in my head. It was that 80s aesthetic to it. Fans who have been really immersed in Batman's multi-reaching empire over the years, especially the classic comics, will notice subtle designs from everywhere. I'm not afraid to wear those influences on my sleeve. I just feel like it's part of me, Fabuck shared. The Basically, the fact that uh, Batman, Batgirl, and Red Hood are going to be unable to distinguish the Jokers, it's an intentional tactic planted by Fabuck, who created their appearances as close to each other as possible. Although slightly different, each Joker carries a personality trait. Uh, Johns wrote the criminal to be more like a mobster, uh, a little more grounded and a less theatrical. He described the clown as just loud, colorful, uh, sometimes a little campy, and the comedian as scarier, a little bit more frightening. Uh, Fabok gave the criminal a trench coat and a white shirt with a black tie. The iconic purple suit is a bit hidden. Um, he says, I decided to draw him looking a little older. He doesn't laugh and is the opposite of what you would think. He's just very creepy. This jo Joker is actually Fabok's favorite in the series. The clown was inspired by Cesar Romero's version in the 1960s television version, and the comedian is straight out of the killing joke, basically. Uh, you got to watch out for some funny moments, Fabok said. They will be about the character looks in the series. So there will be some, I don't want to go on in full and say comical moments, like ha-ha, but just funny moments. 
As an ode to the nine panel threads in the series, the team decided to create nine premium cover variants that will feature nine Jokers from different eras. On why they decided to release this expansive plan for these variances, uh, Faybach said, I love comic book history and I love playing off of what's come before. He hopes readers will find all the references in the series and point them out. Maybe one day, Jeff and I will do a commentary track on something, he added. I would love to go through and just talk about them all one day. I'm excited for the three Jokers. If you have not picked up issue one yet, you need to. Uh, go check out um, Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, uh, one of their previous episodes, uh, I believe. They talk, uh, Padawan gives kind of a uh, fantastic little review of uh, the first issue. And, I mean, you can't be afraid of spoilers because it's been out for a little while now. So, if you haven't picked it up yet, that's on you. Uh, And I I completely agree with that. So, let's uh, move on to Superman, Man of Tomorrow. Now, fans may have been a little disappointed at the Man of Tomorrow panel uh, was among the programming delayed until September 12th due to this decision to split it into a uh, two-night event. But after experiencing the smorgasbord of DC delights during the 24-hour event, nobody in gun conscious can complain about it being a two-hour event. Uh, night one was so satisfying. Two was satisfying. I mean, obviously not as like home run as night one was, but with all the trailers we got in night one, it's kind of hard to compare night one and night two. But night two was satisfying in its own right for what we got out of it, especially if you're a fan of the television and the comic book world. Um, so it's kind of hard to complain. It's kind of hard to complain basically is what I'm saying. You can't complain about either night being separate because, honestly, I, I I don't know what it would have been like to have everything that we were given in DC Fandom in one night. It would have been... It, it, we wouldn't have been able to handle it, <laughs> basically. Uh, despite some initial technical difficulties with the DC Fandom site, the Superman Man of Tomorrow panel took place. Uh, at night two, moderated by actor Matt Bomber, who voiced the Man of Steel in Superman Unbound, uh, years before his role as Negative Man in Doom Patrol. Uh, the panel consisted of screenwriter Tim Sheridan, director Chris Palmer, supervising producer Butch Lukic, as well as actors Ike Amati, who is doing Martian Manhunter, Brett Dalton, who's voicing Parasite, and Darren Chris from Glee, who is voicing Superman slash Clark Kent. Now, anyone familiar with the Superman American Alien limited series will recognize certain elements in Man of Tomorrow, uh, most notably Clark's early costume and Parasite as a villain. Although the film isn't a direct adaptation, uh, Lukic uh, cited American Alien as an inspiration, basically, along with uh, Superman for All Seasons um, four-issue limited series. Uh, that was by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Uh, Man of Tomorrow may explore the early years in Superman's career, but Sheridan considers the film focusing more on Act 
two of Superman's life. Um, according to Sheridan, Lukic's directive for the film was to be smaller and character-driven, akin to the original Richard Donner film. While it may be in the superhero genre, Lukic's aim was for an independent-style feel in contrast to typical large-scale superhero property like out of the MCU. In terms of themes in the film, Sheridan pointed to identity, specifically discovering your identity and how it shapes you into the person you're going to be, how it it basically shapes you into your man of tomorrow. Uh, As most viewers have discerned, the design of aesthetic of Man of Tomorrow is stark departure from previous DC animation projects, most notably the thicker lines. The desire for a different look came from Warner Brothers animation president Sam Register. Since Lukic saw current DC animation as very anime-influenced, he figured the opposite would be thicker lines that looked as if it was hand-drawn. Unfortunately, the overseas studio found animating the style a little difficult, so it did take time uh, working and adapting with them to find a middle ground. Uh, Director Chris Palmer attested that the film tries to simultaneously feel contemporary with glimpses of futuristic designs and technology scattered around. Uh, Answering a fan question, inquiring about the decision to include Parasite and Lobo as the antagonists, Lukic and Sheridan reiterated that those two foes are both featured in the American Alien comic with Superman. Uh, Beyond being credible... Physical challenges, Sheridan found Lobo to be an emotional equivalent for Superman, describing Lobo as the man of yesterday through his boorish and misogynistic nature. Uh, A little side note, I don't know why DC has yet to, to phone in on a Lobo movie. We did get to see him a little bit in the uh, Krypton series. It wasn't done poorly, so to speak, but at the same time, it just didn't hit with a lot of people. I would do a Lobo movie basically setting him up kind of like Deadpool. I don't know why they haven't done that yet. If I were given charge of something if if Warner Brothers if Johns came to me and said here's the money cast your movie it's going to be set in the DCEU whatever it's going to connect with Cavill and all that do your Lobo movie I would I would do it gritty and bloody but also very Deadpool meets Joker meets Venom kind of if you agree, if you disagree, let me know. Uh, hashtag 30NerdyPod on Twitter. Uh, let me know, 30NerdyPod at gmail.com. Uh, so, moving on, Darren Chris, the voice of Superman, is definitely no stranger to Superman, watching classic 90s DC animation shows. Uh, Look at and countless other talented creators have worked on before. Uh, conceding they were his education and entry into DC comic books. Uh, When the opportunity to voice Superman came to him, Chris was somewhat hesitant since he didn't believe his vocal quality matched his perceptions of Superman. That's that's tough. Uh, Like, for instance, 
you hear my voice week in and week out, I, I would agree that I probably wouldn't voice a character uh, like Batman. Uh, maybe not even Superman. I would see me voicing more of a character like Wally West or maybe Barry Allen, uh, but I, I can I can see where he's coming from. Uh, upon learning the film involved a younger Superman, Chris was definitely more confident. Uh, playing villains seems to come naturally for Brett Dalton, uh, probably best known for his role as Grant Ward in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I know that the ODPH and East Coast Avengers definitely know that name. Uh, as the voice of Rudy Jones, he appreciated the opportunity to showcase the humanity of the character before his villainous transformation, allowing audiences to somewhat sympathize with him. Um... Now, Superman may be the star of Man of Tomorrow, but he's not the only recognizable DC hero featured in the film. Martian Manhunter uh, perhaps embodies best what it's like to be an alien in America more than Superman. Um, Something that uh, Nigerian actor uh, Amadi could definitely relate to. Uh, Luca likewise shared his own immigrant experiences during this and it's it's great to see that kind of stuff just a little nuances um it's about being an alien in america so having the greatest alien in america martian manhunter voiced by amadi who obviously speaks up to being an alien in america uh especially in in the america that is today um it's really cool to see those nuances play out in uh, our nerd culture. Uh, the panelists did go on to agree how surprisingly poignant they found Man of Tomorrow. Considering that Sheridan revealed his background in theater, it may not be shocking that writing character moments is his forte. Even for Palmer, who's worked on big action sequences in his animation career, discovered that the small, quiet moments stuck with him like characters talking over coffee or tea. Long before uh, Brian Michael Bendis' Superman comic book run began, it made headlines that the Man of Steel's iconic red briefs would finally be returning after a long absence since the start of the new 52 reboot. It's a back-to-the-basics approach that... Look, it also desired for the film. Um, Superman's red underoos may not fly in live action for modern audiences, but that's not necessarily the case in animation. Uh, asked about favorite scenes in the movie, both Sheridan and Look, it gave them the same answer. Clark receiving the co- Superman costume from his mother, Martha, Martha Kent, for the first time. Uh, for Palmer, it's the scene when Perry White introduces Lois Lane uh, to the daily that sets up uh, to be hated. Um, Chris enjoyed Darren. Chris enjoyed seeking Clark, uh, seeing Clark deal with uh, mundane aspects of being a normal person, um, which I would imagine, you know, if you're Superman and you're trying to live incognito. That could be tough when it's easy for you to break a door down when opening it. 
It's probably much harder to act normal when you're Clark Kent. Uh, He mentioned specifically a scene involving Clark's awkward attempt to hang up on his parents during a FaceTime chat that was very endearing to him as an actor, apparently. Uh, On the flip side, channeling classic Superman for scenes like asking if Lois Lane is safe apparently gave Chris goosebumps uh, in the recording booth because... Every Superman movie has that. Whether it's animated, every Superman comic has it. Are you safe, Lois? Um, you think back to Christopher Reeves whenever he's talking to Lois Lane. Uh, it's it's got to it's got to be awesome. Amadi's favorite part in the film was an intimate conversation between Superman and Martian Manhunter. Uh, Dalton also took the opportunity to praise Amadi's hilarious delivery of a line criticizing the depictions of aliens in movies. Uh, At the end of the panel, uh, moderator Matt Bomber announced the 2021 slate of DC animated films that includes a two-part Batman The Long Halloween adaptation. Mm, Very excited for that one. I will be tackling Batman The Long Halloween in October for Halloween as a comic book. And uh, that, that that's exciting. I cannot wait to see the adaptation next year. Uh, and I would definitely be tackling it on the show next season. Speaking of Superman, their uh, Saturday's uh, DC Fandome follow-up event featured a panel for the upcoming CW show Superman and Lois. Moderated by DC Chief Creative Officer and Publisher Jim Le- The Legend Lee. The Superman and Lois panel featured the stars, Tyler Hecklin and Elizabeth Tullock, as well as the show's executive producer and showrunner, Todd Helbing. Over the course of a nearly 30-minute chat, Hecklin and Tullock and Helbing uh, opened up about their new show and what fans can expect to see. And let me tell you, Henry Cavill isn't the only actor who gets to wear a new suit in Superman mode. Fans will no doubt be hyped to learn that Superman and Lois panel confirmed that the show will introduce a new suit design. Much like every season, Barry Allen gets a new suit. Uh, Sure, the panel uh, saved the best tease for last, but I'm going to share it with you right now. While Hecklin was originally asked if Superman would get a new suit, he handed off the question to Hedbing, who shared, Originally... You came on for crossovers, and that suit just wasn't built to sustain a series. So there's obviously going to be a really bad-A Superman suit that I'm very excited about. In addition to the news that Superman and Lois will introduce a new suit design, some key plot details were also shared during the panel. Uh, The series will begin in the aftermath of Crisis on Infinite Earth crossover event as Clark and Lois return to Smallville and try to make a go of it with their two teenage sons. Although Helbing promised there will be a lot of set pieces and a lot of heroics, he also noted that the show would focus on Clark and Lois as a couple. We really get to kind of lean into Clark and Lois not being Superman and the journalist, um, but parents in Smallville. Um, Helbing uh, went on to um, kind of tease what's in store for his twin sons, um, 
He said we wanted to present two kids who had two completely different skill sets. And how do you deal with that as parents, especially being Superman and Lois Lane? Uh, There was also an explanation of why one titular couple was moving away from Metropolis in favor of small town life. Uh, It will be cool to to get to go back to Smallville, if you ask me, uh, especially since... We haven't really been to Smallville in a Superman story since Smallville, but but we'll, we'll have to see how that uh, plays out. So, Helbing also teased how the return of Lana Lang, this time played by Emmanuel uh, Tricky, I think is her last name, Triquai, uh, would play out on the show. He began by stating... I think it's an interesting dynamic as an adult how you deal with that relationship before going on to say we don't want Lois and Lana brawling it out but that dynamic as an adult is really interesting to us. They're not kids in high school anymore. Uh, Those feelings are impossible to ignore and I think that it's a real thing for some people especially when kids are involved. And then to see Lana's husband and her kids and that dynamic uh, there's a couple of characters that we in- invented. Uh, Kyle Cushing is playing Eric B. and Sarah Cushing, uh, or sorry, Kyle Cushing played by Eric B. and Sarah Cushing uh, is played by uh, Indy Navret, Navaretti, uh, who gets sort of wrapped up in things with the boys, uh, and they have their own kind of love triangle. So that'll be interesting. Now, Superman and Lois is coming to the CW in 2021. I am excited. Obviously, I have been very outspoken how he's he's not my go-to when it comes to not just DC, but comic books in general. He's more of the Rev's favorite, uh, especially when it comes to DC, and he's my brother's favorite when it comes to comic books. I know that everybody loves Superman. Uh, however... Back early on in this season, I did uh, an episode with uh, the doctor at that time, Dr. Davis, uh, all about Superman. And I have to say, ever since then, I have gained a much bigger respect for Big Blue. Um but uh, I'll definitely be tuning into this show uh, and checking out Man of Tomorrow. Um, so we are going to close out this show in a bit after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Third and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Encore Theatrical Company. In 2006, a group of actors, musicians, educators, and theater artists came together to discuss the state of performing arts in the Lakeway area. They began to identify the need for a reputable performing arts company that would provide quality entertainment and arts education for audiences and artists alike. They set out to improve the quality of life in our community, to produce exciting plays and musicals, and to promote the performing arts in our region. Encore Theatrical Company believes in the power of the arts Through live performances and educational programs, they provide quality entertainment by creating opportunities for the artistic minds 
in our region to exercise, nurture, and grow their talents. By cultivating and promoting the performing arts, they will improve the quality of life in the Lakeway area. You can find Encore Theatrical Company on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and see what's going on at etcplays.com where it's not just theater, it's Encore. Welcome back. I want to quickly remind you all that there are bonus episodes of the 30 and Nerdy podcast featuring the Rev himself called The Road So Far. And in that we are breaking down the world of Supernatural from episode to episode. We began with the pilot and we are still in season one. So you have time to catch up easily. I know that if you have not seen Supernatural binging 15 seasons right now may seem like a daunting task. We're here to help you. I will also be posting, along with those bonus episodes soon, the 75 essential episodes to watch when binging Supernatural. Now with this, this will get you caught up. These are just considered the essential episodes to check out uh, if you want to get caught up to this final season. Uh, Without having to watch every single episode, I will have that posted soon on the 30 and Nerdy podcast page. So be on the lookout for that. But if you are currently watching through Supernatural from the beginning to get ready for the final episodes, tune in to this Road So Far breakdown with myself and the Rev of Rants himself. We're having a blast with it. I love Supernatural. We both do. I love any time that I get to talk anything with the Rev, but definitely Supernatural. He has really went full-on John Winchester with it. He's got his own hunting journal uh, with notes, and we've got unknown information and did-you-knows and connections, and it is a lot of fun. So check out those bonus episodes here and there, and uh, keep up with the road so far. I also want to take the time to shoot out a huge special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Uh, Throughout the pandemic, you've chosen to continue to support us. If you are interested in becoming a Patreon supporter, there there are many different outlets to that uh, that will not break your bank. And Patreon supporters will get different exclusive opportunities, whether it be polls uh, to ask you what you want to see or how you think it should go, uh, schedules before the, the regular audience sees it, Uh, special swag from time to time, and special episodes like Mandalorian's coming back. So obviously Mandalorian Mondays will will be happening again. Soon we'll have Titans Tuesday going on and many other Patreon-exclusive stuff going on. So thank you, and I hope that you will consider becoming a Patreon supporter. Also, I want to shout out a huge... Thank you to everyone that we were part of with groups, Alternate Reality Radio, the Legion of Independent Podcasts, and at podchaser.com, the Pod Nation, and the Apocalypse. Thank you all for including us, for, for helping the show, uh, for, for the shares and the likes and the retweets and the subscriptions and the, the, the kind words and the 
whenever you think that something would work better this way, you're not afraid to reach out to one another uh, from show to show. And, and it's just great to see that uh, interaction with other independent podcasts. Uh, I want to ask you to take the time to give a rating at podchaser.com uh, for this individual episode as well as the show in general. Or if you're an Apple iPhone person like myself, you can do that within the app you are listening to this. Just go down, hit the five stars, please, and uh, leave a review. Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, next time, I'm going to go ahead and, and and fill you in on what's happening. So, there is a huge crossover in the works for next week. And during this pandemic, nerds have been in somewhat of a crisis, if you will, with content, things getting pushed back, not getting to see the things we were expecting, all that fun stuff. So what better way to talk about nerding in the pandemic than an ultimate crossover event? I'm talking... The 30 and Nerdy Podcast. I'm talking Brewing Up Rants Podcast. I'm talking East Coast Adventures. Three Fat Nerds. The ODPH. I am telling you this crossover event is going to be huge. Huge shout out to Dre who's also going to be joining in on that crossover. Very excited for this gentleman. Cannot wait to talk about Everything that we're going to talk about. So you need to tune in next week for that massive crossover event. It's going to be legend. Wait for it. Hope you're not allergic to milk. Dairy. Legendary. And I am excited about it. So that's next week. Send in all your questions all your thoughts about what it's been like to be a nerd in the pandemic. We're going to talk about it. And you need to check out those podcasts. East Coast Avengers, the ODPH, the Ocho Doro Parlay Hour, Three Fat Nerds. Check them out before you, we get to the crossover event next week. I'm very excited. I've been planning this with Ken M. Can't wait to talk about this stuff with you, brother. So please send in your questions and your thoughts. Anything to do with nerding during the pandemic that you may have for us, send it in. We will read it. We will discuss it. We will answer it. We'll talk about it. We may agree or disagree. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen, but we know it's going to be big. This has been great. This is the second and final night of part two of DC of DC Fandemonium. Thank you for tuning in to all the DC fandom talk over the past month or so. Um, I have enjoyed it. As you can tell, I am a DC guy. I am the blue brand. I fought it for so long to try to play both sides, but obviously you can tell this is me. So, today, on Batman Day, capes up, cows on, DC up. Enjoy your Batman Day celebrations, because I know I am. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. I've been your Duke of Nerds. You all have been absolutely beautiful. Stay sanitized. Mask up. I mean, after all, superheroes wear masks to protect their loved ones.
So why can't you? Be easy, you all. DJ Mike Cowie, take us out. You've been listening to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast with your Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. Brought to you by Ashley Lodge Photography, Freddy Cat Productions, Encore Theatrical Company, and Advertising Expressions. 30 and Nerdy is an alternate reality radio show, a member of the Legion of Independent Podcasts, and a Badcast Company production. Join the Nerd World Order by following the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow along with the conversation using the hashtag 30andNerdyPod. Find us in the Pod Nation at Podchaser.com and rate this episode. Got something to say? Email us at 30andNerdyPod at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, cheers to you, nerds. That's all, folks.